Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gayatri. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Traveler, foodie, and shopaholic are a few ways that Nimisha Mukherjee chooses to describe herself. One of the few people I've met who discovered her love for computers and programming when she was still in Standard 3. She remains an active developer and designer today at Red Hat, where she works as an engineering manager. In this episode, Nimisha brings out a unique perspective on the role of a developer and how she and her team are building environments that can empower and activate developers from anywhere. She dwells on her experience in user experience design and shares lessons from her career experiences and advice for young techies and designers. Tune in and enjoy this chat. Good morning, Nimesha. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Software People Stories. A very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Chitra, for having me here. I'm excited. Uh, I haven't done podcasts much, so let's see how this goes. Definitely. It's been an adventure for us so far as well. So we usually start by asking our guests to introduce themselves to our listeners. How would you like to do that? I'm Nimisha Mukherjee. I'm an engineering manager with uh, Red Hat. My team works on um, simplifying the developer experience for building cloud-native apps on uh, OpenShift, uh, which is a, a hybrid cloud platform. So I guess I cover all the buzzwords as part of my profile technology buzzwords. That's me at work. I have around 17 plus years of experience. I have worked nonstop. I think I've just taken six months maternity leave. Otherwise, I've been working all my life. When I'm not working, a total family person. I love spending time with my family. I love traveling, going to new places. So (laughs) the lockdowns kind of spoil those plans. I love traveling to places. I try, uh, love tra- uh, trying out new cuisines, going to restaurants and trying new cuisines. So that's what I like. And apart from that, a total shopaholic. I think that's a bit about me. In fact, you said the lockdown has made you feel a little constricted without the ability to travel and taste food. While there are mm-hmm. opportunities to, for virtual travel experiences, I too, being mm-hmm. a foodie, I'm wondering how could I experience the taste of new and different kinds of food? I think people are trying to make the most of uh, social media and share what they are trying out at home. Um, I'm not sure how that replaces the actual you know, senses of touch and smell. And uh, at least visually, there's something which we can see and experience. So sometimes that does lift the mood where you see a friend post a funky recipe and uh, sometimes it's easy enough. I'm one of those lazy person. So I like those two ingredients, throw it in the microwave kind of uh, recipe. Sometimes I think the social media does cheer me up when I see people posting their experiences. At least uh, sometimes that inspires me to try something new and share my experience. I know you started your career as as a UX person. How did you choose to 
be a software developer or a programmer and why did you pick this area of ux i think back in school itself way back i think we were introduced to computers in third standard third grade and it was fascinating how you write a few lines and the computer reacts to it so i was fascinated with computers from day one my era is way back when we had cobol visual basic that was what was taught in uh, schools no java nothing it was quite exciting to see that since my third grade i've always stuck to computer science that's always been my subject once uh, i graduated uh, i did my uh, degree in computer science i graduated somewhere around 2000 2001 and um, the it bubble burst that and that was at first big it bubble burst and jobs were very difficult to secure and at that point of time um, i was like trying out different different things strangely being a woman a lot of hr kind of jobs were coming my way but i knew i loved to code so i just stuck to uh, you know hunting for a job until i got a coding job and that turned out to be something around user uh, interface development that's writing code to build ui so i that's how i started off and my first few jobs were around uh, ui development and then uh, i joined uh, hp hewlett packard and i joined the uh, printer division and there i kind of joined the design group my manager was this fantastic user experience uh, design manager and I learned a lot from him. So that's where I was exposed to user experience and we uh, got to do courses on user experience and actually understand in depth about how users influence a product. And this was say back in 2005, 2006, where user experience and all was just coming up in India. There were very few uh, experience teams in India. So it was very exciting and I got to learn a lot. And it's a completely different way of thinking. So as an engineer, I'll always say that I know what the user wants. I'll just put the icon somewhere. But then when you actually speak to a user and you understand how difficult it is for them to use my product, it's a different way of thinking. So it opens your mind. And since then, I've kind of um, switched roles between user experience and uh, user interface development, kind of balancing both and moving forward. Wow. that. That sounds so fascinating and completely agree with you there saying this, this design thinking is mm -hmm. even more difficult than it, than the phrase sounds and yes. actually empathizing with the user and walking along with the user to understand exactly mm -hmm. what's going to work for them. Cause ultimately it's the user for whom you're delivering value. So what have been some good and not so good experiences in designing and developing? for the end user in your experience. Could you share some of those? I can speak about a few experiences from uh, HP. So we were designing uh, the first web connected printer. We were bringing in smartness on the printer. So at that time, all the smartphones and everything, that was the era where smartphones were coming up. So we wanted to plug in smart apps onto the printer. like quickly you want to go from one place to another you type in the map and you take a print out of the map all the printers you just had buttons that you had to work with 
press a button and use that. So that was the first uh, printer where we used the touch interface. So we felt that, okay, as designers, we felt that, you know, we are doing some breakthrough design and the user will just get it. It's so such a good interface. And when we went out there and showed it to the user, nobody was able to use it. They're used to the mindset of a printer where they go and press buttons and now they're just given a screen. They were not able to correlate between the smartphone and the smart printer, right? And then we had to come back to the drawing board and then we had to still put those buttons because that's what the user's mental model is. That's what they expect. So then what happened was once we enable the buttons, when they press the button, there was a movement on screen and then they would go touch the screen. That's how we learn. We assume something, even though we talk to users and we feel we've done a great design until we go put it out there for the user, we'll never know. That was one of the initial experience that's always stayed with me. Nice, Dimisha. I personally, <laughs> as a user, even struggle today with smart printer connectivity. And you brought up a very interesting point is that once we get so used to using something, I think that's the biggest shift uh, and becomes a challenge for anyone trying to introduce a new product. Right? So there's almost a, a way, familiarity with, let's say, Windows, or there's a familiarity with yes. Apple users, and there's a familiarity yes. with Android phone users. And that familiarity then becomes a habit. And it reminds me of mm. what Nirayal has written in his book called Habit Forming mm. Product. How do you, as a designer, go about trying to build a new habit you know when you're introducing a new product what are the challenges that you as a designer face i think as designers the main goal is always to simplify the experience we always want to make it easy for the user so sometimes when you introduce something new there might be a slight learning curve but if we are confident that this is a better experience, users will switch. Like you said, uh, you get used to something, you're used to Windows, that becomes your comfort zone. But how did Apple become popular? It was a completely new interaction, but it was a better interaction, which the users like. So as long as we keep design brain dead simple, we are simplifying the user's life. I'm sure there might be some resistance initially, but once they like the experience, they'll switch. The focus has always been on identifying when you build a interface or product, you always identify what is the top one, two primary tasks that we want our user to do. If it's a shopping cart, how easy it is to find items and how easy, like when you switch out to the you know buying experience, how easy it is to check out, reduce the number of clicks reduce friction, right? So these are a lot of thoughts that come into design. So as long as we focus on keep it brain dead, simple and design, I think it should work. So initially you introduced yourself as now working to create environments to for developers. Uh, could you talk That's a little true. bit about what's happening in that space right now? Oh, yes. So it's a very interesting time for developers. The company I work in, we believe in open source and developers are opinionated and empowered. And we see this new generation of developers coming up where the developer is the decision maker. We strongly believe in that and we are building a lot of tools which help a developer. 
So the modern day developer, they're polyglots. They don't stick to one language. They like to try a lot of tools and uh, processes and they want to move fast. So there are even concepts like, you know, I'm traveling from my home to office, right? I just want to review some code on my mobile or tablet. So the modern developer is very different from say, how we were as developers. I remember when I was starting out my career that time, uh, Java had a lot of value and a lot of developers refused to learn something other than Java because they felt Java was king. But today the developers like one day they know uh, say JavaScript, next day they know Python, then they know Go. So they're polyglots and um, definitely because there's so many tools and technologies available, uh, developers can influence the tools that a company chooses. So that's what uh, we believe in and that's how we are building our developer experience. Uh, we build a lot of tools. What are the tools that will help a developer simplify their daily life? A developer's true potential is to write code and build awesome applications. They really shouldn't be bogged down by setting up. Does it work on my desktop? Uh, does it work on production? Does it work on staging? So all the tools help them remove all these, abstract all these deployment, configuration, build, all those uh, uh, steps is abstracted and they just has, have to focus on writing code. So that's where we are. Uh, and I mean, that's where we believe the modern developer is and we are enabling them to build the uh, application. You said something very interesting that developers are today opinionated, empowered, and are decision makers. Mm -hmm. What have been your observations as to mm -hmm. what developers do differently in terms of, let's say, writing, reviewing, and publishing code? I think maybe if we just take a step back, I think our organization cultures have changed. Previously, we were very averse to trying something new. The companies, they had a product and they would stick with it, be it it has a pathetic experience. It takes 20 clicks to actually achieve a simple task. Uh, companies were not uh, open to trying out new experiences and products. So I think there's definitely been a mindset change in organizations where they want to focus on better experiences. So I think people do realize, I think IT has become very competitive for any problem you'll find so many solutions. So people have to be on their toes. For that, we need to empower developers. If we have to move fast, we need the developers, we need to give developers freedom to work. And the developer can decide how they can um, work faster, smarter. So that's why I feel a lot of freedom has come into the picture compared to when we were working. So be it the process, like we've moved from water, waterfall to agile, Kanban, processes have changed. So similarly, uh, the developer role has also changed. So the modern day developer, I think everybody is moving towards uh, open source. If you see, Microsoft also has embraced open source. A lot of people uh, work in the community mo model. See, so currently, that's the developer trend that's going on where you can go contribute to any uh, project. A community project, there's a lot more mind share coming in. So you're solving problems better. So things like, um, I think almost everybody now uses GitHub for their uh, source code control. 
lot of communities, uh, Kubernetes, it's completely community uh, driven. Kubernetes is what the whole uh, cloud platform is driving the cloud platform. So I would say the modern developer uh, believes in community, open source, and I, I think they're spoiled for their choice of uh, tools. There's so many options. So they can try and use a tool of their choice. So I think that's how the developer has changed. It's just that they have a lot of options and freedom, and that empowers them today. Nice tips, Namisha. I had never heard uh, somebody talk about the change in the role of the developer in, in this way, shape, and form. Uh, that was a learning for me. Thanks for that. And very often we see that a lot of organizations are still struggling with good engineering practices. Such a plethora of tools, it's all, it almost seems like an anomaly. Hmm. Um, certain things like coding disciplines, uh, reviews, hmm. especially when you're building products for the enterprise and having yes. your entire DevOps in place seems to be missing in a lot of cases. I'm not saying in all organizations and more so maybe where the core business is not technology. Have you had any experience in guiding or helping such organizations quickly come up, let's say with a solid DevOps tool chain? What would be your suggestions of how organizations can very quickly adopt good engineering practices and maintain a certain level of hygiene from code development to code deployment. You're kind of just setting this up for a product pitch for me. I mean, I'll just use what we work on uh, as an example, because we actually target the problem statement that you just uh, presented. How do we make uh, DevOps easy for uh, non-technology centric uh, companies. We are trying that with OpenShift and um, OpenShift, it works with AWS or Azure or any of your uh, infrastructure base. So what happens is, um, again, it goes back to simplifying the experience, how easy it is to set up your infrastructure. And with something like OpenShift, what happens is uh, DevOps becomes easy. I was talking about the developer role where the developer goes and, uh, you know, selects his choice of tools. But there's always the concern of security. So how do we know that what the developer has chosen is secure and it's enterprise ready? So that's where uh, OpenShift comes in, where it gives you the same environment. It gives you an environment which is, it's, it's got a green from your uh, legal department, from your security uh, department. All, you know, the enterprise checkboxes are in place. And at the same time, the developer can access that environment and work easily. So uh, products like, I think, uh, OpenShift or even there's, I think VMware is also building a lot of such solutions. All the companies are focusing on building such smart solution, which help companies do DevOps easily. It's again, uh, goes back to, you know, simplifying the user experience, remove all these complexities of environment setting and uh, how do we keep upgrading and all that? All of this is kind of, you know, over the air on the click of a button, everything is done. So that's the, it goes back to again, user experience. Uh, that's a growing market, honestly, uh, DevOps. That's what everybody is working on. It's interesting you say that, you know, we often come with the, or at least what I had in mind was that user experiences for that user outside there who is going to buy my product or buy my solution. And all the while, 
developers are the closest users of what is going to create that infrastructure for the users out there. So I like the way you've put them at the center of their experiences and how life can be made easier for them. So I just wanted to, you know, give this example for what you just mentioned. We had OpenShift 3.11. So OpenShift is a very powerful tool. But uh, when we actually went and spoke to users, and by users, uh, I mean the administrators who install OpenShift and maintain OpenShift, they were having a miserable time. And we took that feedback. So our users were administrators, completely tech IT guys who sit and look at servers all day, look at a lot of dashboards. So they became our users. We heard them. And we completely changed the experience for OpenShift 4. Uh, we introduced something called over-the-air updates and the administrators just loved it because it simplifies their life so much. What, what took two days took 20 minutes, right? So all this comes under user experience. So it's very powerful when we focus on users. Wonderful. Very, very nice to hear that. Even, even the IT department is one such place where I think they are simply managing so many different kinds of apps and yes. so many business processes. I, I suppose anything that's coming out there, uh, they will be the first people watching your radars like hawks to see what's coming up next that will ease their lives a little bit. Uh, Nimisha, I've known you as somebody who's been in the space of you know, user experience, UI, UX. You've spoken at a lot of conferences about it. What do you see as a future in the space of user experience and design? So uh, that's pretty much like blue sky uh, and maybe a bit unknown, but I think um, I've definitely uh, definitely noticed this in say the various companies I've worked on. And I've been part of that aha moment where companies are realizing that users are the differentiators. One good example always is uh, you have your coffee at Starbucks, Barista or Coffee Day. Uh, why do you keep going back to one of them? Why does one become your favorite? It's because of the experience that you get there. What is the service that you get there? There's something which draws you back to that. All the companies are realizing that. And there's a lot of emphasis on experience being the differentiator. More and more companies nowadays are investing on experience and uh, seeing how can they improve their experience. I think the future trend, uh, nobody would have foreseen the COVID-19 situation we are in today. But I think we have to now look at a new mindset and design for experiences where people may be at home more than actually going out. I think people might be hesitant to go back to stores, but if they go back to stores, what is the experience that you give? So I think at least the immediate trend would be around hygiene, uh, health, safety, security. Uh, but futuristic, I think we have a lot of technologies. It's up to the developer and designers to push the boundaries and up to the companies to allow innovation. Thanks, Nimisha. And you've also been somebody who's been very active on technology platforms and in particular for women in tech. Two questions here, actually. The first one is what would be your advice to women who want to choose a career in tech? And the second question, what would be your suggestions or career advice to anyone who wants to take up a career in user experience, 
design and creating some awesome developer environments. So for aspiring techies, it's anyone, it could be, uh, you know, it's not just women, aspiring techies, you graduate, work hard, prove yourself, uh, establish yourself in the company and grow in the company. What I feel is when you keep working hard, it becomes a habit. So when you just sit back, it creates some sort of restlessness in you. And that restlessness pushes you to try something new or innovate or do something. So I think that's what's happened with me, where even if I have some time, I'll go try something, you know, be it uh, working with GHCI or uh, other conferences or trying some, pushing some initiative at work. So it creates a lot of restlessness. So hard work, restlessness, innovation, I would say that's how it works. What, how I have survived is through upskilling. So like I mentioned, traditionally developers were averse to change. They do not like to get out of their comfort zone until I'm going to lose my job unless I upskill. Like I described today, it's a different time. So we need people who can be part of the enterprise ready workforce, adapt to digital transformation and polyglots, developers are polyglots. So upskilling has become very important. The other one would be uh, follow your passion. So as a hiring manager, I'm talking to a lot of candidates. I need a good answer when I ask the question that why are you looking for a change or what are you looking at, you know, from my company? And I have seen that most of them run behind money. Agree that money is an important criteria, but it should not be the only criteria. Youngsters, they should have a goal, have a passion and work towards it. So when you work on what you're passionate about, money will follow. So I would say my two advices would be upskilling and following your passion. Advice for upcoming designers, know your users. That's as simple as that. Uh, don't get bogged down by boundaries. So I've been part of design teams where there is a pushback. I mean, I think currently the organizations are going through mindset change where experience is, is given importance, but say user experience team still gets uh, a lot of pushback where they say, uh, maybe we'll do it next time or what you're suggesting is not possible. So don't lose heart, stick in there, keep designing for the user, uh, don't compromise, keep pushing the boundaries. So that would be my advice for uh, user experience designers, not to give uh, lose heart. <laughs> Nicely tied in, Nimisha. Thanks a lot. Do you do in your non-coding, non-working hours? So how it works is Monday to Friday, I follow a routine because it helps. It gets yeah. things done, be it at home or work. Saturday, Sunday, I just let go. So many people have that impression that, you know, I kind of follow my routine with rigor on weekends at home, but that's totally wrong. Saturday, Sunday go totally chaotic or holidays. It's like, just do what you want. It's free reign. I just have very basic hobbies. Like I said, I love to travel, love to try new, new cuisines, shop or uh, catch up on movies. It's just anything which just relaxes the mind and takes off the work stress or your daily stress. Anything which gives me peace of mind is what I try out. Nice way. Lovely way to 
bring this conversation to a close i'm sure and i hope we get a lot more opportunity to bring some more conversations maybe more focused ones but it was really nice listening to your story nimesha thank you so much thank you so much for having me on this show chitra thank you so much We thank Siddharth for the music and Malavika for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.